So it is wonderful to be back. We were on vacation. Last week I got to hear Pastor Andrew. We watched him online. It was just fantastic. Um, most of you know that this is all set up for Godspell, which is there's one more weekend, and the reports have been that it was amazing. Um, I thought that people that had gone would clap or I don't... Don't leave that, guys, um, okay? I also wanted to tell you this, that uh, I am vaccinated. Johnson & Johnson, one and done. Why am I saying that? If you are online and you need to be vaccinated to feel comfortable coming back here, I'm going to urge you to get vaccinated because we need you back here. We, the body of Christ needs to be together. This is an important time in the history of the church. And so do what you need to do, but let's, let's prepare ourselves for what God has in this hour. Would you mind standing with me in honor of God's word? So this is the final message in the series that we've been doing on the book of Joshua. This is, this, this message is the reason why we even did the whole series, because of the time that we are in right now. So here we are, Joshua chapter 1. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I am giving them. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, if there has ever been a message that I need to be hidden, it's this message. Lord, the only important thing in this hour is what you're saying. It's not what man's opinion is or what we'd like to happen. It is what you are saying. And so, God, I pray for every single heart. Holy Spirit, please have your way in this place. No one needs a teacher other than the anointing within that teaches all things. Holy Spirit, would you bear witness with what is true and right and in the heart of God in this time with, with each heart? Um, and we will give you praise and glory for everything good that happens here. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. It is now time to go in. It is now time to enter. Tell the people, this is the time. This is not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy to believe that it's a time for something different to happen because they were in Egypt for 400 years. And then they were in the wilderness for 40 years. It's hard to believe something's going to be different when you've been doing the same thing for so long. But God says, if man says it's going to be different, it's going to be different, it's going to be different, we think of that as advertising and hype. We're very cynical. But it changes when God says it. When God says it's going to be different, everything changes. Two thousand five. September, I'm in a small church in southwest Minnesota, Montevideo, Minnesota. God speaks to me. He says he's going to bring together Mad City Church and Lake City Church. 
He's going to bring them together, and it's going to be called City Church, and I'm going to be the pastor. And I'm like, what? That's ridiculous. That's my own arrogance. That's my own pride. God, this could never happen. This would never happen. And I rejected the word. And a few days later, I, I, I said, how can I dare to think it? How can I even dare to have that thought? And um, I wouldn't even tell my wife. I was so ashamed that my pride was so great that I would think God would bring these two large churches together and then make me the pastor. It just seemed the, the essence of arrogance a few days later, I am reading the one-year Bible out of the living Bible, and it was Ephesians 3.20, and it says that God is able to do above and beyond all we ask and even dare to think. And when the word dare, when I read the word dare, the Holy Spirit came all over me. He said, no, this is going to happen. And I'm, I'm engulfed in the presence of God, and I say, God, I, I need something. I need a, I need a sign. I turned to take a sip of my coffee. I always have coffee with my quiet time. And the Mad City Church mug that I'm, I'm drinking out of has turned, so it just says City Church. And as I see the word City Church, two streams of thought come to me. Here's the first one. It will be called City Church as a sign that in the end times, I'm going to use the citywide church. There's going to be a new paradigm. It's not going to be church against church and my church is better than your church. There's going to be a unity, a profound unity in the body of Christ and the church is going to think of itself as being citywide church. And the name, so the name is not that you're the best church or you're the only church, but that it's a sign that God's going to use the citywide church. The second thing he said to me is when this happens, it's going to be a sign to you that there will be an end time survival. And so I, I, I got, the, the experience was so powerful that I got, I, I did tell my wife then, and we got one other couple and gave them what the experience was. I said, I'm not saying this is going to happen. I'm not saying I want it to happen. I'm just saying this happened. And so whatever, we just, only God could possibly bring this about. But I, I said to the Lord at the time, I said, God, if this ever happens, I will be all in for that end time survival. I will believe. Whatever anybody else believes, I will, I will not be a cynic. I will believe. Fast forward, 2018. It's the spring of 2018. I have an experience where I feel like God's saying, now go into the land. Take them into the land. It gets confirmed the next morning. The whole next morning is about taking people into the land. And it's, it's from Deuteronomy. And then within a couple days, a prophetic word comes from a major prophet that gets sent to me. And it's all about, take, this is the time, take them into the land. A time being this word kairos, which means God's time for something to happen. So I, I three times confirmed, um, same thing. I take it to the staff. I'm like, guys, this is time. This is why City Church exists, is for this time. I, I mean, we, we, whatever we've learned, whatever we've grown in, now is the time. It's time for action. And they're like, well, what, what, what are we going to do? I have no idea. I don't know. 
I don't know. Uh, I know this is about revival. It's about God pouring out His Spirit. But exactly what it means to enter the land, I have no idea what it is or what that would look like. And so the first thing we did as a staff, the spring of 2018, is we set up these meetings called Worshiping and Waiting. And the purpose of those meetings was we need God to speak to us. So we're, gonna, we're just going to meet with no agenda other than being in his presence and then waiting. God, what do you want to speak? Well, um, we were only in a couple of meetings where the first thing that God was saying became clear. Worship and waiting is not about meetings. It's about a lifestyle. It's, a, it's about a people that are no longer telling God what God's supposed to do or what we want God to do or God bless my thing, but a, a, a people that are willing to worship and kind of let go of our agenda and wait and say, God, you speak. You set the agenda that this was, this was supposed to be a lifestyle. So the, the Intimacy with God conference in 2018, this is what I preached on. I preached on um, this worshiping and waiting wineskin that we call around here the one thing. One thing is, is a familiar text. It's in Luke chapter 10. It's uh, Martha and Mary have Jesus to their house, and Jesus is, or Mary, is sitting at Jesus' feet listening to his word. She is in his presence listening. The word listening is more than hearing. Hearing, you can hear a lot of stuff, but listening means Hearing with a heart to obey. I'm just, whatever he says, I will do. And, uh, but it says that Martha was distracted by her much serving. And then here, here we have verse 41 and 42. But the Lord answered and said to her, Oh, so Martha says, Martha says to Jesus, Lord, I'm serving all alone. Tell my sister Mary to help me. And Jesus answered hers and says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things. But only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. And so this is kind of my life message. And at the beginning of 2020, and, and I just did this message for our prime timers called Lessons I Learned in 2020. Um, the beginning of 2020, February and March, I had a sabbatical. And during it, I finished this devotional book called One Thing. Daily Devotions to Inspire Intimacy with God. They're, they're at the Resource Center. Um, and I, I had been working on it for 12 years, doing devotions every week, and just put it all together. So it's 365, One Thing. Well, how many know that it's easier to preach something, it's easier to know something than to actually live it. That, it, that sometimes God requires us to actually live what we believe. Isn't that inconvenient? <laughs> oh, I just hate that. And so 2020 was about this refiner's fire for me, getting, getting me to actually live what I believe. See, to do the one thing, here's, here's one of the, there's two really, really difficult things to do to actually live out the one thing. Number, number one, you have to be okay 
that good Christian people are disappointed with you. See, Martha, Martha is doing a lot, and she's doing a lot for Jesus, but the, the problem is she can't stay in her own lane. She, she's, she also knows what everybody else should be doing for Jesus. And she is disappointed with Mary because Mary should be serving because good Christian people will serve. And I don't know why she's not serving. And God tell her to serve because I know what's best for Mary. And for Mary to stay at Jesus' feet, she's going to disappoint a really good Christian sister. In the Lord, and she has to be okay with it. So 2020 comes. Oh my. I have never experienced people being so disappointed with me. <laughs> First, you know, the government wanted us all to shut down, and, and so so we shut down and went online and and some people left the church because we were caving into the government. And then uh, a, a, a month later, we opened back up with masks and, and social distancing, and some people left the church because we don't love people or we wouldn't be meeting. We wouldn't be allowing people to meet during a pandemic. And then, we, we, and then of course, let's not even go with the masks. Let's not even talk about the masks. Um, um, then, but then it was race, and then it was... Uh, People mad at me because we marched with the pastors down to State Street, black pastors down to State Street, and so people were mad at me for that. And then others were going to leave the church because we weren't, and they did leave the church because we weren't in solidarity with Black Lives Matter. And, and so that there was just tension, tension, tension. And then, of course, then that's over. Oh, praise God, that's over. And then politics. Oh, my the, the opinions and what we should be doing and why aren't we doing and what you should be doing. And, um, and it just, it just, I just couldn't please everybody. But you know what? You can still please Jesus. Do you want to know what? You know, you're never going to have to give an account someday to what Martha thought you should be doing. You're, ne you're never going to have to give that account. It doesn't, it doesn't matter how strongly they think you should be doing that. It doesn't matter how strong they think this is what Christians should be doing. It doesn't matter. Because they're not your judge. Only Jesus is. And you only, you, we only need to please him. And so... I try to be nice to everybody. I, everybody, I try to, people who leave in our church, I love you, bless you. How many know God's not building city church? He's building his kingdom. And if another church fits better for you, great. And that's fine. That's fine. Um, just try to be kind. Try to be gracious. Um, but um, that brings us to number two. Martha is Productive. She's doing a lot tangibly that can be seen. In her mind, there's no doubt that she is more pleasing to God than Mary is because Mary is just sitting at Jesus' feet doing nothing. Martha is the first American. Americans are obsessed with results. They're obsessed with production and bigger is always better and more and anything can be justified because we're, we're trying to have a greater influence. We're trying to get more people and we're trying to do more and get more and bigger, bigger. Everything needs to get bigger and bigger. You know what, guys? 
That's America's definition of success, but that's not God's definition. God's definition is fellowship with Jesus and obedience with Jesus. And sometimes God's not growing things. Sometimes God's killing things. Sometimes it's not supposed to get bigger. It's supposed to get smaller. And you can please God. But you're going to have to put up with people that don't understand why, why this or why that or why aren't we doing this or why aren't we doing that and, um, and lots, of, lots of ideas. And so, um, so, so, we, uh, so here's what happens, 2020. And once again, preach this all the time, but it's a completely different thing having to live it. So all of a sudden, I get back from my sabbatical, and I'm expected to preach with no one here. We're, we're, we got the camera set up. There is no one here except the staff. And not only is no one here, but we don't know when, whether people are part of this church anymore. We don't know if anybody's watching. We don't know what, I mean, we have some people turn it on. That doesn't mean they're watching. That doesn't mean they're following. We don't know what the future is going to be. So all identity in how's it going and, and are we going to make it and all that just leaves. It just has to leave. I, I have to be purified from it. And it just has to be about, I can do the next right thing. <laughs> I can please God. Anybody else have that happen to them in 2020? Where you have to die to results? You have to die to everybody else's opinion? Why? Why would God do that? Because listen, if you're going to go into the promised land, this has to be the new, this is the new wineskin. The new wineskin is not us being busy. The, wine, the new wineskin is not us finding a need and just serving and doing as much as we can. That's not the new wineskin. The new wineskin is, Jesus, you tell me what to do and I'll do it. The new wineskin is, I have positioned not just myself in church, my life is positioned at your feet, worshiping you for you alone to command. And I, I'm okay with other people being disappointed with me. I'm okay with it not being successful in somebody else's eyes. Jesus, I am yours. This is the new wineskin. And this, it, it will be required to go into the land. Has anybody noticed the word necessary there? One thing is necessary. You know what necessary means? It means necessary. It means, it means if you don't do this one thing, it doesn't matter what else you're doing. You're not, you're not going to accomplish what God wants you to accomplish. We all need to choose the one thing. Worshiping and waitings are practice. They're practice of us slowing down, waste, wasting time at Jesus' feet. Two hours, that's a lot of time. Yeah, God knows it's a lot of time. That's why it means something to him. Where we just come alongside and we, we set time apart to just worship and wait. And it's amazing. The more time you do that, the more quality and power there is in all of your horizontal time. That's one. Here's two. Dealing with fear and anger.
2019, it became very clear that these are the two things that keep people out of the promised land, keep them out of entering the land. Fear, of course, um, that's why the first group didn't go in. That's, they were afraid of the giants. They were afraid of the, the walls. They were afraid of the fight. And so they didn't go in because that's what fear does. Fear will never fully obey God. It will obey God to a point, but never fully because it's afraid of what might happen if I fully obey. This is why God says to Joshua three times in nine verses, don't be afraid, only be courageous. Only be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Three times. Why? Joshua's afraid. <laughs> He's afraid. God says, don't give in to your fear. Be strong. I'm with you. I'm sending you. And why does he say it three times in nine verses? Because God needs somebody to participate with him. And if we give in to our fears, we won't go in to the promised land. Second one is anger. Moses and Aaron didn't go into the promised land because they gave into their anger and frustration with people. They were, the people aren't listening. People aren't talking. God said, I want you to speak to the rock. And instead of speaking to the rock, Moses was so frustrated with the people that, and he basically says, you guys caused me to do this. He hit the rock instead of speaking to it. And because this is, this is what anger will do. Anger will cause you to be reckless. It will cause you to do more than what God told you to do. So in his anger, in his frustration, he hits the rock and nothing comes out. And there is a delay. And during this delay, he has a chance to repent. He has a chance to say, but not only him, Aaron has a chance. Aaron heard the command. We're supposed to speak to it. Instead of Aaron going and confronting Moses, say, dude, we're supposed to speak to the rock, not hit the rock. Aaron's right there with him. Like, yeah, I I get the frustration. I get the anger. And have you ever just wanted to do something because you're angry? Have you ever just wanted to say something because you're frustrated and it just feels good to just say it because they deserved it? Well, praise God, we've got one honest soul. Listen, I'm not saying they don't deserve it. What I'm saying is, who appointed you to be the one to say it? What happens is, We say and do stuff that God never told us to say and do, but it's out of a different spirit. Frustration. I'm just so frustrated. I'm frustrated with politics. I'm frustrated with these people. I'm frustrated, and I just want to tell them all, and I just want to do, I want to do what I want to do. And uh, Listen. It kept Moses and Aaron out of the promised land. God pulls Moses aside and Aaron, and he says, here's what he says to them. You're not going in. I will be treated as holy by those who draw near to me. The only engine for this thing, guys, to go into the promised land is the fear of the Lord. It can't be fear, and it can't be anger and frustration. You can do a lot when you're angry and frustrated. You can do a lot, and whole movements are started out of anger and frustration. But listen, you're never going to overcome darkness when you're being empowered by darkness. Only God can fight the darkness. 
You and I need to obey God. In the fear of God, we need to lay down our anger and our fear. So anyway, so here's the, here's the story that goes with this. When we were in Montevideo, we went, every year we went to La Ceiba, Honduras on a mission trip, and we built stuff because the guy that led us was a construction guy and, and we would put together teams and, and one, on one trip, he told us about his first trip down there. And he stays with this family and he notices that their water doesn't work. They've got this little, their water faucet in the kitchen has this little bitty stream of water coming out, and they have to leave it on 24 hours a day, seven days a week, because this is their water supply, and they catch water, and they, so when they're sleeping, they've got pails, and people have to get up to exchange the pails, because that's their water to shower, that's their water to cook, that's their water to drink, and he's like, he comes down there, and he's like, what, what, what are you guys, what are you doing? They say, oh yeah, the, that's just how the water comes out. He's like, well, has anybody looked at the plumbing? And they're like, what? <laughs> they had just, and oftentimes this is how it is in the third world. There's no mentality of fixing something. It's just you, 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 you learn how to survive. Life comes to you and you, you accommodate whatever's wrong. There's just oftentimes not a mindset of fixing. And so he says, can I, can I look at your plumbing? Can I work on this? And they're like, if you know something about it, go ahead. So he takes the whole thing apart. Do you know why the water was coming out like that? There was a rock in the pipe. He took the rock out. And all of a sudden, the water started flowing. And they had plenty of water. They could turn it on, turn it off, and water flowed. What's this have to do with us? Everything. Look at John 7. 37, 38. Jesus says, if anyone's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. For he who believes in me, the scripture says, out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. So here's your average Christian. They're, they're not experiencing rivers flowing out of their innermost being, but just this little small stream. And what happens is, they just, we just accommodate around it. We accommodate our whole Christianity. We just assume this is all Christianity is. This is just this little stream of water dripping out. And this is, it's awkward that it says rivers are going to be pouring out because I'm just getting this little stream. And, but we survive. We make our Christian life as just our beliefs and our church attendance. We read the Bible once in a while and we're waiting for heaven. But this is just, this is all we have. It's just this little thing. And, Here's what Jesus wants to do. All he wants from us is this. Is that we recognize that that's what's coming out of our Christianity. It's just this little puny stream. And then give him a chance to go into our plumbing. Because let me tell you, there's two stones that if, if, you, if these are not removed from your pipes you're not going to have rivers flowing. One is called fear, and one is called anger. And it's confusing, because you love God, and you love God with all your heart, and you want to serve God, and you want to obey God. But because of either fear or anger, 
you're, you either can't fully obey or you're reckless and you do a bunch of stuff that God never told you to do out of anger. And not all the time, but once in a while, it's inordinate anger comes out and then you, everything that you had been building is messed up because you got angry, you gave into anger, and, and, and you just feel like a total failure. Or you're obeying God, you're going along, and then fear gets in your way and you can't do the last thing. You can't step out fully and obey God. And, and so your Christianity is always just this little stream and you've made peace with that. And all Jesus is saying is, that's not what I died for. I died for rivers flowing. Will you let me go into your plumbing? The Proverbs say this, it's not in a man to know his own heart. You can't fix your own plumbing. <laughs> you can recognize something's wrong and you can give him permission to go into your plumbing. But he's got to go in. The Bible says in Isaiah 61, 1 and 2, that Jesus is anointed to bind up the brokenhearted. He can go down in the unseen regions of your heart and he can pull that stone out. Trust me, there's nothing wrong with the gospel. The problem is not the gospel. It's there's a stone in the way. And it's not hard for him to get that stone out. Can you imagine the, the, the problem? What was the problem? I'm sure it was really coming. Nope, there was just a stone there. I needed to get that out of there. And then the rivers began to flow. We're going to have a chance at the end of this service to give God anger and fear, or fear, and with many, anger and fear are, are, both, are both stones in the pipes. We're going to pull them out. We're not going to pull them out. Jesus is going to pull them out this morning because he wants us to go into the land. You'll never go in while, while anger and fear are your engine. You just won't go in. Number three. So that's what I preached in 2019 at Intimacy with God. It was, it was on fear and anger. I told that exact story, actually. A lot of 2020 was just about exposing fear and anger. God didn't expose it to condemn us. He just wanted us to see what's going on inside of us. And it was there for everybody to see, wasn't it? Fear and anger. Jesus wants to remove it today. All right. Point three. Now we're in 2020. I'm still on the... Uh, I'm still on the sabbatical. It's right at the end of the sabbatical. The church is not meeting anymore. The staff's leading. They're doing a great job. I'm in contact with them about what we should do, what we shouldn't do. But I'm, I'm having my last weeks and seeking God, and I'm on a prayer walk one day, and, and this is the sentence that comes. You won't cross over unless you take the cross over. And I knew immediately it was about going into the land. It was, it, was another, it was another step to going into the land. You won't cross over unless you take the cross over. And what that means, is, it, 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 in my understanding, is two things. The first one is about our identity. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Your identity is in front of you, not behind you. That, 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 that what the cross has won for you 
is that the past sin, the past failure, the past habit, the past identity is washed clean by the blood of the Lamb so that God can bring you into this new identity that is established in His grace, established in His love, established in His favor. But you and I are the ones who decide where our identity is going to lie. To, to accept the work of the cross, not just mentally and theologically, but in reality, is to accept it for your identity. God has a purpose to make you and I new in Christ by his grace. So some um, look back and, and make their identity in Egypt. They defy God. They defy the gospel. And they decide their identity is going to be in this, their sin. They're going to they're gonna celebrate their sin. They're going to celebrate their right to sin. And they're going to change the gospel. Just change it a little to say this. I've accepted Jesus, so Jesus has to forgive me. I can do whatever I want to do, but the gospel, because I believe the gospel, and that's what God promises, if you believe the gospel, you'll be saved. I can live however I want to live, and Jesus has to forgive me. This is very American, <laughs> um, because we're, we're forever making our own rules in America. Um, but that, that identity won't get you to heaven. I've, I, I need to warn you about that. This is Hebrews chapter 11. It starts in verse 26. It says, if you willfully, continually sin, um, there's no longer a sacrifice for sins, but only a fearful expectation of judgment. And then he says this, anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think someone deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified them and who has insulted the spirit of grace. Listen, Jesus loves you. God's purpose is to forgive you. God understands that we are weak, weak flesh. He understands that there are demons. There are, understands there are people runner. So God has given this way that we can just confess our sins and he will forgive us again and again and again and again. But the idea that we can willfully, continually sin and that Jesus has to forgive us because we accepted Christ into our heart or because we got baptized, that idea is an insult to the spirit of grace. That is not what grace was poured out for. That's not, it is trampling under your feet, Jesus, and his blood and counting it as unholy. The idea that Jesus died so that we could keep sinning is it's just absolutely the opposite of the gospel. Don't make your identity back in Egypt and comfort yourself that Jesus has to forgive you. The Bible says many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, that won't enter. We did, we prophesied in your name. We did miracles in your name. We went to church in your name. We read the Bible in your name. And Jesus will say, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. You who didn't want anybody telling them what to do. You are going to tell you're going to do whatever you wanted to do and demand that I forgive you because you still call me Lord. Guys, that's a false gospel. 
And the Bible says in the last days, people are going to surround themselves with teachers that will tell them what they want to hear. Don't make your identity back in Egypt. There's a second group that make their identity behind them. And that is those in the wilderness. And this, this identity is, it, 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 it's this. I am just a sinner saved by grace. I am just a sinner saved by grace. Now, what a wonderful truth that we are sinners saved by grace. That's amazing. <laughs> amazing grace that has saved a wretch like me. Amazing truth. We certainly are sinners that are saved by grace. And forgiveness is something we absolutely rejoice in. So Pastor Tom, what's wrong with that? Here's what's wrong. The gospel doesn't make you just a sinner saved by grace. The gospel makes you a favored, beloved child of God, and it invites you into this new identity where you're filled with the Holy Spirit, where you're a carrier of the very glory of God. Here is the problem. If in my actual identity I call myself just a sinner saved by grace, then what am I going to do? I'm going to sin, of course, if that's what I am. If I am a sinner, then I am going to sin. And, but you can be in the wilderness, and you're very sincere. I sin, and then I come, and I ask Jesus to forgive me, and he forgives me. And so I'm going to go to heaven when I die. Yeah, you are going to go to heaven when you die. As long as you keep confessing your sins and asking to forgive you, you will. But Jesus died for more than this. He's got an identity for us. But you've got to take the cross over. You've got to take the finished work of the cross. The cross makes us more than just forgiven. It invites us into an identity of favored sons and daughters, beloved by God. This has to become more and more our identity. Look at 2 Corinthians 3.18. This is, this is it, it, let me give you the context. Paul is describing the old covenant. And the old covenant, the, Moses had to cover his face with a veil because every time he came in contact with God, he would start shining, but, but he would start fading as soon as he got away from God. And, and so he would cover himself with a veil so that they wouldn't see the shame of him becoming less and less glorious. And so the new covenant, he describes, and he says, the, the, the veil of the temple was torn, so that we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. That uh, One translation says, from glory to increasing glory. That what God has done in the new covenant is now we are in his presence, not just when we come to church or go to a religious place or have a retreat, but we can live in his presence all the time. There is an open heaven over every believer. Unless the enemy can get you to believe otherwise. If you go back to Moses, Moses represents the performance identity. You go back to, I've got to be good enough for God. I've got to have enough quiet time for God. I've got to be obedient enough for God. You're going to be, feel farther and farther from the presence of God. I don't have a quiet time to have intimacy with God. Intimacy with God is his gift to me. I have a quiet time to unpack this gift. <laughs> I, I put myself before him to unpack intimacy that Jesus has. We call it the ease of heaven here. Heaven's already open, folks. 
Jesus died on a cross to open heaven. Veil's already torn. You don't have to try to get through that veil by your good works or by being religious enough or fasting enough or praying enough. It's open for you right now. But you do need to believe that. (laughs) And as we take our place and we behold him with unveiled faces, even as in a mirror... Their mirrors were brass. They were very indistinct. So no one sees God perfectly down here. Has anybody noticed that? (laughs) Even in the best worship service, the greatest experience you had, you didn't really, you kind of saw, you kind of experienced. Listen, the smallest little touch of his glory transforms us. Our identity now, it's not behind us in Egypt or in the wilderness. Our identity now is in the glory of God. Adam and Eve were clothed with the glory of God. Jesus restores glory to the human race. So I, I'm, I'm up early this morning, getting things ready. Right before I leave, I decide I'm going to look at my phone. I look at my phone, and a, a, a pastor in Chautauk, Wisconsin, his name is Jeff Martin, his daughter goes here, has sent me a text early in the morning. And the, and the text is just... Isaiah 60, 1 and 2. Arise and shine, for your light has come. Deep darkness is on the people, but the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Let me tell you what the promised land looks like. Let me tell you what revival looks like. You and I are carriers of the very presence, the very glory of God. We're, we're, we're carriers of his favor. We're still, we're, we still are, are carpenters and mechanics and nurses and, and whatever we do, but we're more than that. We're carriers. Our identity is in the glory of God, and it's increasing as we behold him. We're living lives worshiping and waiting, not just meetings, but we're living lives. We're discovering what it is to have an open heaven. This next series that we start next week is on the book of Acts. This is part two of entering the land. Uh, it's, it, the title of the series, The Holy Spirit in You. God wants to take normal people like you and me and fill us with his spirit and in union with him, go and bring light everywhere we go into the darkness. All right. Last point, embrace the army identity. This is the other side of the cross. (laughs) One side of the cross is what Jesus did for us, and the other side of the cross is what Jesus modeled for us, that there is a cross that every one of us need to to pick up to, to be in this army, if you will, of God. Israel, to go into the land, has to become an army. They can go back in the wilderness and still be the family of God, and God loves them, and God's promised them, and, and, and they can go back into the wilderness, and, and you say, Pastor Tom, what, what, describe the wilderness to me. What do you mean by the wilderness? How do I know if I'm even in the wilderness? Let me tell you about the wilderness. You go around the same mountain 39 times. Every year it's the same. Every time it's the same. It's a, to take new ground for the kingdom, we have to become an army. We can't just be the family. 
can't just be the beloved children of God. We need to become the army of God. And of course, an army runs very different than a family. An army, you surrender your rights, you surrender your opinions, and you are, yes, sir, what, what, where do I fit? What do I do? And if I don't instantly obey, I'm putting everybody else at risk. And that's why the army uses basic training to, to break you down, your own opinions, your own thoughts, your own, and, and then they build you back up to make you willing to obey without questioning orders promptly. So January 7th, now we're in 2000. 21. January 7th, it's the, it's the prophetic day. It's early that morning. I write this down in my journal. I get two words. The two words are dangerous safety. It's an, it's an oxymoron. Dangerous safety. And then a sentence comes. Here's the sentence. To be free from deception or to remain free from deception, you must live your Christian life at risk. To remain free from deception, you must live your Christian life at risk. And I'm like, okay, so I write that down, and I'm like, I need a verse. I'm a Bible guy. <laughs> you can't just say stuff to me. I, I, where is this in the Bible? Mark 8.35 pops into my head. I turn to it, and here's what it says. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. That if I live to protect my life, if I live for my own security, my own comfort, my own entertainment, and at all points just try to get a life where I don't suffer, where I'm not inconvenienced, where life is the easiest possible life. Now, how many know most Americans are aiming for just this vision? You're going to end up losing your life. You're going to end up falling into spiritual deception. Even though you go to church, you read the Bible, and you keep some got Christian music, you're going to end up being in deception. You and I are being called by God to join an army where we are willing, where we actually pray prayers like, God, I just want my life to have purpose. I don't, I don't care if I suffer. I, I want to follow you wherever you want me to go. And when we let go of our life and we stop trying to protect our life, we actually find our life. We find Jesus. We find purpose. We find this flow of of heaven. It's very deceptive because it seems like the safe place would be to go back to the wilderness. Why? There's no giants there. There's no cities. There's no wars there. The wilderness seems very, very safe. But let me tell you something about the wilderness. You die in the wilderness. You die in the wilderness. So God is urging his church right now. I'm making an army. I'm making an army. It is time to go into the land. It's time for you to sign up for the army. Joe had, uh, Pastor Joe had a, a, a prophetic vision earlier this year of cruise ships. And he knew that they were churches and they started on one side of a lake and these cruise ships take off and then all of a sudden there's a horrible storm and there's this swirl and darkness and thunder and rain and it looks like the church is going to be destroyed. 
And then in his vision, he sees City Church. We start worshiping and praising and lifting up the name of Jesus. And all of a sudden, our ship gets righted. And then he sees, and I'm not saying this is how it is, but this is what he saw, that we, we are a catalyst of going over to other ships and saying, hey, start worshiping. Start focusing on Jesus. Lift up his name. And as they start to do it, their ships are righted too. And he sees us as we come to the other shore, that which took off as a cruise ship has now become a battleship. And when we get off on the other side, we are this army of kindness and love anointed by the Holy Spirit, ready to do whatever God wants us to do. This is the hour that we are in right now. So, What song will City Church be song, what, what song will be sung over us in the days to come? This is this morning's one-year Bible reading. It is Israel has this battle against the Canaanites, against Jabin. This is in the book of Judges. And Jabin, they've been ruling Israel for a long time, and his, his general is named Sisera, and Sisera has 900 chariots, iron chariots, and it's just a very, very dark day for Israel. Israel, it, it says, are living in absolute fear to even go into the city, to even go out into the streets, because terror is is. is running the land. They have no weapons. Uh, among 40,000, there's not a spear or a sword. The only thing they have is this. God spoke through a prophetess named Deborah. And God said, it's time. I'm turning everything around right now. Tell Barak, who's the general of Israel's army, to call forth an army. I'm changing everything right now. So there is this Amazing victory. God defeats the Canaanites, defeats Jabin, defeats Sisera. The whole thing gets turned around. And then they write a song afterwards. Let me, let me read to you the song. Just a little of it. Wake up, wake up, Deborah. Wake up, wake up. Break out in song. Arise, Barak. Take captive your captives, son of Abinom. Take captive means make an army out of the captives. Judges 5, 15 through 18. The princes of Issachar were with Deborah. Yes, Issachar was with Barak, sent under his command into the valley. In the districts of Reuben, there was much searching of heart. Why did you stay among the sheep pens to hear the whistling of the flocks? Gilead stayed beyond the Jordan. And Dan, why did he linger by the ships? Asher remained on the coast and stayed in his coves. The people of Zebulun risked their very lives. So did Naphtali on the terraced fields. I want the worship team to come, please. There's going to be a song written about this time in church history in America. And here's the song. It's a song of tremendous courage of Deborah and Barak and, and the tribe of Naphtali and, and, and these other ones are commended because they fought, they risked their lives. They did, but there's also a song about Reuben. Reuben, wh where were you, Reuben? Dan, why did you stay by your ships? 
Asher, why did you remain hidden in the coves? Was it to, to hear the whistling of the flocks? Your kairos came. There, God was doing something in your day, and he invited you to be part of it. And you, what were you doing? You missed your kairos. Guys, worst possible thing that could happen is that there would be that the part of city church in the song in the future would be city church. Where, where were you? I invited you. I called you. I empowered you. And wh- what were you guys doing? What it was, your own life was more important than what I was doing. Your own little problems were more absorbing. You just, it was just going to be about you and your entertainment and your video games and your whatever. And, and you missed the time I invited you. I get it. I get it. I, I have tremendous compassion for cynics. I'm, I'm very cynical. God told us, and God said, and, and the church has been such a mess, and, and, uh, and so there's lots of reasons to question, and, you know, is this really God, or is God really, really doing this? And, and so I, I get, I mean, one of the main reasons would be, you know, one, we're so outnumbered, we have no weapons, really, guys, really, we're going to take on the Canaanites? I don't think so, but God told us, well, big, you know, really? And then, it's even worse. Deborah? Are you kidding me? You're saying that God spoke to a woman to tell us what we're supposed to do? I don't think so. I don't think God would do it that way. Well, whoever said that you were in charge of how God was going to do something? Don't be put off because we're normal people. That was the plan, normal people. That is the plan. The plan, don't discount yourself because you're normal and because you struggle and because you're weak and because, no, that is the plan. It's people like us that God is going to use in this time. Yeah, thank you, Sandra. Let's stand. Sometimes, sometimes I need a little help. Let's do a song and I'll come back and I've got two things I want to pray. So you want to own, you want to own before God. I'm, I'm, I, I've got some stones. I, I'm, I'm trickling, and I, I need you to go into my plumbing. I, wa- I own it. I want you to go in. I want you to pull out fear and anger. I want Jesus, you're, you're the great plumber. Go in and take these stones out of me. If, if that is you, would you just open your arms? Whether you're here in the sanctuary or online, just open your arms right now. Jesus wants you. You are not disqualified because of a problem with anger and fear. Jesus says, I I want you in this army and I want to do for you what you couldn't do for yourself. So Jesus, would you come in your anointing right now? Would you go deep into our hearts? Would you break generational fear and anger? Would you heal that in us that responds in the wrong way to the things happening around us? Jesus, come healer of hearts come come break off those things that keep your river from flowing 
Father, we ask this in Jesus' name. And the second thing, and this is, uh, is going to be a little different than I did in the first service. You can watch the end of the first service, but um, God doesn't draft people. This is why it's moving so slow. God doesn't make anybody do anything. He only invites, and he will not make you do so. So you have to enlist in the army. You have to say, I want to be in. I'm in. I'm, I'm signing up today. And we did this a few months ago, but I think God wants to do it again today. If you want to sign up for the army, you just want to say to God, I'm in. I don't want my life to be ended on a cruise ship. Uh, there's nothing wrong with cruises. Sometimes we need to get away and rest with Jesus, take Jesus on the cruise. But you know what I'm talking about. I want to end up on a warship. I want to end up in the purposes of God for my life. Would you just open your arms like this? And instead of praying over you, I'm going to read this prophetic word. It was given on March 23rd, 2021 to us. This is a time of preparation for my church. I am preparing you for the things to come, for I'm about to break out in your midst in ways that you have not seen before. There is a demonstration of my power and glory that is coming that will take your breath away. There is a new level of awe and wonder coming to those that will receive it. It's an awe of who I am. It's an awe of my glory. It's an awe of my power. It's an awe of my ability to make all things new. During this time of preparation, I am shaking everything. I'm shaking things and people until the foundations are laid bare. This shaking is for your good. And this shaking is because I am good. I am infusing my people with my goodness, with my love, and with my power. I am shaking and tearing down false idols. For there has been a resilience, a reliance on the way things have been done in the past. But I'm calling you into a new season. You will see things that you have labored for in the past now come to fruition. You will see light, lots and lots of light. For the light of my presence is breaking through and breaking out. Open up the windows and let the light in. Yes, deep darkness has come over the land, but the light of my presence is shining brighter and brighter. It is my gift to you as my children to walk in that light. Allow the light in. Watch. Watch for healings. Watch for revelation. Watch for salvations. Watch for my word is to come alive in greater measure. I'm on the move and I'm inviting you to be a part of it. Be expectant and partner with me. Lord, we seal these words over your army. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Woo! God bless you. Have a good day.